0: Welcome back to Pas de Deux, everyone. I'm your host, Clara. And I'm your host, Jessica. And today we have our first dedicated dance publicist on with us, Helene Davis. We've actually been working closely with Helene uh, for the last year, year and a half on uh, booking guests, finding new uh, people to bring onto our show, and um, staying involved in the dance community. So um, Helene has become an important partner for us, and uh, we can't wait to just get a totally new perspective on the dance world from someone who um, is really approaching it from the
1: PR angle and is an entrepreneur. Veteran publicist Helene Davis has worked with many of the world's most acclaimed theater and dance companies and institutions, including Merce Cunningham, The Kirov, Australian Ballet, Miami City Ballet, Le Ballet de Monte Carlo, Alvin Ailey, and the Fall for Dance Festival. She's currently working with Netherlands Dance Theater, Ballet Collective, Palabalos, and the NYU Skirball Center. Helene created public relations and media campaigns for many Broadway productions, including Chicago, Smokey Joe's Cafe, Forever Tango and Swing, and for many actors, including Jake Gyllenhaal, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Sutton Foster, Sarah Jessica Parker, Julie Andrews, and Nathan Lane, to name just a few. Mm -hmm. Helene is passionate about helping performing arts institutions increase media coverage, strengthen identity, and build audiences. She founded Helene Davis Public Relations in 2005 in order to work closely with her clients providing hands-on, individual service. The company is a boutique agency specializing in strategic planning and goal-oriented creative public relations, as well as press and social media campaigns. Before striking off on her own as an entrepreneur, Helene served as director of press and marketing of the Manhattan Theater Club and the 92nd Street Y. She also represented New York City Center for 10 years, creating campaigns in 35 Encores productions, as well as 10 Fall for Dance festivals. In that capacity, she had the great privilege of working with dancers such as Angel Corella, Diana Vishneva, Akram Khan, Christopher Wilden, Matthew Bourne, and Sylvie Guillem, also to name just a few stars. (laughs) Star-studded roster. Yeah. (laughs) So we're very excited to have you on the show, Helene. Welcome.
2: Oh, Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: For once, not just sitting in the background, like watching us talk to someone else. (laughs) I was just going to say, on the
2: other side of the mic.
0: Mm -hmm. Thanks for being open to talking to us. Sure. So to kick off, uh, so our listeners can get some good background, what cultural sectors are represented most in your client base, would you say? Um, Because I know we know you as just dance, but you do much more than that. Uh, And do you have a background in dance or another sector that you represent?
2: Most of my clients are in dance and theater. Okay. Um, Although I have – I'm working with the Humane Society right now. I like to have a little bit of diversity, and I have um, a luxury food client in Spain, which is kind of fun. That's totally different than everything else, but mostly the performing arts and – my family loved theater. My, they're oh. passionate about musical theater, and they brought us into the city. I grew up on Long Island, and oh. we came in to see shows all the time. There was always show music playing in the house. We would jump around and sing, and, uh. um, you know, just theater was very much a part of, of our lives. But my father had been a journalist before uh, before he went into business, and his father— Owned a small town newspaper, so there was oh. there was journalism and writing in the family, and I think it even went back to like a newspaper in Wales, you know, it's like a couple mm. of generations of this. So oh, wow. writing was always really important. Cool. Um, I was always a good writer. I always liked to write, which kids don't usually, <laughs> and um, and. Just an awareness of journalism. You know, we used to go through the New York Times. I remember and and look for mistakes. Now you find more mistakes. As a mistakes, kid, I think yeah, that is well, so like, yeah, you know, junior high and stuff. Oh, and like, if you so found it, any mistake, circle it and be You like,
1: were right about mistakes. I notice them all the time. I know. In New I'm York always Times. surprised. I think it has I'm to do horrified. with well,
2: there's less. There are fewer editors now. I think right and Probably. spell check is a real problem because uh, if you find mistakes now, you can see that it's spell checked often, uh, so that the word is kind of you know, wrong that way. Exactly. Okay. But it used to be, I mean, that you would hardly ever find a mistake. Wow. So that was like, never you know, unheard of. So mm-hmm. a- anyway, the, it was kind of, you know, the, the culture of, of theater. Dance, not quite as much, although I took mm-hmm. dance when I was younger. I'm a little uncoordinated, so <laughs> I, the dance future wasn't going to be there for me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, when I went away to school... I had a I had like five majors and a, and I never I was never knew what I wanted to do but um I I kept by process of elimination ended up doing what I loved to do which was theater and performing arts and so um mm-hmm. I was just fortunate that that's really what my degree is in and I've worked in the field always so
0: is your degree in Marketing or public relations or advertising for dance and theater, or no, it's just us. theater.
2: I have oh, to say great. that I'm um, not to like talk about my age, but um, <laughs> when mm-hmm. I graduated, there really wasn't. You couldn't get special. a degree in Specialty. in public relations or marketing. It was just all one thing. Oh,
0: okay. um,
2: when I graduated, I had gotten a scholarship to go to NYU. It was the first. Um, I think mm-hmm. they had the first. Theater Administrative mm-hmm. Degree, What I don't remember exactly what it was called, and I was going to do that, and that was mm-hmm. um, a big deal then because it, it wasn't, you know, I just fell into writing and public relations because I was mm-hmm. always a strong writer. Yeah. Nobody else ever wanted to do it, so they would always <laughs> give it to me to do, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So I was just lucky that I was able to just take that path and find it.
0: That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Can I ask what your favorite musical theater show was and what you liked most as a kid to jump around to at home?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my favorite show Mine was Harry Poppins. My favorite show? <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard to say. When I was younger, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, when I was really young it probably was Gypsy. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> because oh we would make believe we were stripping, you know, like let me entertain <laughs> you. Like, it was like Maggie Wood, you know, hilarious. from the movie. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> No, that's and, great. Um, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you see uh, the final, Patty LuPone's final
2: production? I worked Gypsy? on that show with Patty because it started, really? it was an hour's oh. oh, production. So let me tell you how exciting oh, right. it was oh, to have like good. that memory of just, you know, my brothers and I like jumping around the house singing. And then wow. to meet, you know, Mr. Sandheim when he walked in the room, even now talking about it, my heart's pounding. And, <laughs> you know, and just work with Arthur Lawrence on that. And Patty, it was really fabulous. It was
1: amazing. I was
2: really lucky to do that.
0: That's awesome. I I saw it by such a weird stroke of luck. I was in New York. I was in college. And it was like my first trip to New York and – I wanted to see a Broadway show, but I knew nothing about anything on Broadway. So my friend and I just found a line to get into for the student tickets, you know, the rush line. We're like, oh, this one must be about a gypsy. That sounds interesting. So we, like, got oh in line. God. We got student tickets. We were in the front row. It was probably, like, partial view, but uh, I mean, it was still the front row and wow. 20 bucks, and I had no idea what I was watching. And then later saw the review that this was, like, Patti LuPone's big final act and everything.
2: I sit in the <laughs> front row out. when she sang Rose's turn. Yeah, I wish that I had, like,
0: had known what I was
1: watching at the time. That was really cool. Yeah. So speaking of working with Patty LuPone and Sondheim on this production, what are the services that you provide to your clients?
2: Um, well, several. I work with a lot of companies, um, more companies than individuals. Okay. So I really love to work with companies and kind of help them grow and shape their identities. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important to try to identify the message that a company is sending, whether it's a little dance company or an mm-hmm. institution. I just finished working with the Harris Theater in Chicago, and or, you know, or City Center. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what is the message that they want to send? Yeah. are they are they a, a city agency? Are they the one of the top performing art centers in the city? Is it? Mm-hmm. What so it's very hard, and a lot of companies don't take the time to really, really think about that.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So that's really important, and, and I think the first step is I, I try to sit down with them and say, "Okay, let's look at this. You know, and um, mm-hmm. who do you think you are now? Who are you? Tell me who you are, and then tell me where who you would like to be, and just to see, oh. you know, where we're going there. I, I like to ask what the in their opinion, what does the press think of them? Right? Mm-hmm. What does the press think of you? What kind of what does the public think of you? Is it the same? to the because it's not always the same. Like sometimes you can have um, an institution where the press love them, but mm-hmm. the public maybe not so much, or the other way around.
1: Totally. And Especially with I, dance.
2: Um, so I think it's important to to really look at that and then talk about what challenges there are. Um, how do we make all the messages the same? Right? Oh, so that is important. And, uh, that they if that, yeah, yeah, or or not. I mean, or say, oh, okay. or do, you know? Do you want to have several messages to mm. one message to the younger, maybe a younger audience? One message to people who might subscribe. But mm. uh, whatever it is, it's got to be laid out okay. clearly. And um, interesting. What what are the biggest challenges to that? Which could be anything. It could be we don't have the money to do what we want, mm-hmm. right? We don't have the yeah. staff to do, yeah, your public relations campaign sounds great, but, you know, we're two people sitting in an office and we don't have the time. Or you know, okay. There's a million reasons why it can mm-hmm. be difficult.
0: Yeah. Um, it sounds like this is very long-term thinking, which is great building a vision and building a company over time.
2: Yeah. Well, that that's kind of my preference okay. to work with a company. Obviously, if, if a company's hiring someone to do press for, mm-hmm. you know, an engagement at Baryshnikov, it's going to be a whole different thing, Yeah. right? You have you, That's very goal-oriented, ticket sales, event-oriented. Right. Yeah. So it's a combination of two different kinds of clients, I think. Um, but yeah. once we do that, we have to whoever it is, institution or individual, you know, develop a PR plan. What are we Mm going to do? Um, What media are we going to target? Um, What's our timeline? And then, and I have to say, once we talk about timeline, because I don't want to forget this, is that I have to say to everybody who's thinking about hiring a publicist is that you have to think ahead. Because (laughs) I can't tell you how many calls I get from small companies who, you know, who say, are you available? The performance is in three weeks. Or even, you know, Five weeks. And oh, and it, that
0: even is a short timeline? Oh, three to five weeks?
2: Oh, my God. Yes, because, first oh, of all, wow. my schedule is booked, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's they're that. A lot of clients. I don't think they're considering how long it takes just to get to know each other, to oh, get okay. a press release out, to get it approved by whoever mm-hmm. has to approve it. The press needs to have it three to f- five weeks ahead, oh, in, right? That, okay. There's a million reasons, and the absolute minimum— absolute minimum should be two months, which means that you make the call to the person two and a half months or three months ahead. So I think that's just something I would just like to say because I think um, people aren't doing it or they don't just realize it.
0: Interesting, yeah. I don't think people do know that, and that's really good for dance artists to take note of. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing we love about you and your line of work is that, as we've often noted, a lot of people who do dance or grow up doing dance feel like there's kind of one track, maybe two, and that's to be a dancer or a choreographer. And there's such a wide array of careers um, and fascinating work to do in the dance world, which is one thing we're trying to highlight. So um, if you would, we'd love to hear you kind of tell us the narrative of how you really got started in this and, um, you know, built this PR empire for yourself
2: <laughs> Your empire. in this world? <laughs> sure. Well, um, I never wanted to be on stage. I, mm-hmm. I may have been had fun <laughs> dancing around my house with my brothers, but yeah. to be on stage, if, I would get palpitations. Just, you know, my piano yeah. recital just when I was growing up would be horrible. <laughs> and um, in order to get a theater degree, you had to take acting and you had to act. And that was always horrible. Okay. It's like just like, oh my God. So I knew I never was going to perform. But I was I always wrote and by default was always doing press releases and publicity. But um, I actually thought I would be a lighting designer. I mm. loved the idea of lighting, especially for dance, because dance lighting is very specific. Yeah. Um, and so in in school, I was I started to do that. But then the height started getting to me. I was not, It was one thing oh. to design it on paper and to understand how the lights, you know, what had to happen. But when, when I realized, wait a minute, I have to climb up to that ceiling and, you know, and oh. do those lights. That was like, okay, we need to think about something else. So um, <laughs> I'm very that. organized and— <laughs> You know, some people, <laughs> I've been called a little anal, but I can be very organized. So mm-hmm. I kind of fell into stage managing, which is a perfect thing for somebody organized, you know. Um, yeah. So I stage managed a lot of productions in school, in summer stock. I did an opera up in Canada, um, mm-hmm. and then when I moved to the city, I just did as many productions as as I could, which is what everybody yeah. does, right? Dance or theater, you would just need to work and get exposure and hopefully get somebody to come see you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did a lot of shows when I first came to the city, and um, it was fine. But um, after a while, stage managing, I don't know, I just felt like it wasn't satisfying me. And um, my first job that I got in the arts was at the Metropolitan Opera Guild, and I got it because Mm -hmm. there was, at that time, an agency, and I can't remember what it was called, it was like an agency for... For arts professionals, in there like an employment agency. Oh wow! I'm like blanking mm. on the name. Oh wow! But, hope um, that
0: still exists. That's brilliant. I'll, I know. I'll
2: think about <laughs> it as soon as we get off the air. But um, so I went into them, and they they asked me, you, you know, what can you do? And I could I could write, and I could do this, and blah blah blah. So mm. they they sent me to the Metropolitan Opera Guild, and it was really fabulous because wow. I, at that point I really hadn't had any, much exposure to opera um, at all, and um, I did like. Just very basic beginner work for them in writing, but we could go to any opera at the Met that we wanted, and we could go anytime, almost anytime we wanted, just standing room. But wow. it was so great; it was like, it was like, you know, getting a degree, mm. um, opera one hundred one or or one ten, because <laughs> I just learned so much about performing and the scenery and just being at the Met. It was it was really exciting, and wow. it was a great time to be there. And I still. Um, have connections from there, you know, people that I work with that are just um, very special. But um, mm-hmm. when it came time to move on, because it was a very entry, you know, pretty much entry level job,
0: yeah.
2: um, I was lucky in that I got hired at the 92nd Street Y. And again, it was because right. of my writing. So I'm like saying to people, mm-hmm. you know, just have different um, expertise. Don't just, as what you were saying, just, I was never linear. I was yeah. the, but there are people who are. You're going to be a dancer. Obviously, you're going to be a dancer, right? But yeah, um, there are other options. And when when I was hired by the Why, it was because well, they liked me. I guess, you know they liked my background, but mm-hmm. they gave me a an assignment. It was between me and one other woman, I think, and we had to write like press releases and we had to edit for mm-hmm. short copy. I went home with a homework and they liked it and they hired me. Mm-hmm. That was the best learning place because they have mm. dance and they have, I mean, classical music, theater. I it's loved true. the, I loved the children. They have education yeah. programs. I felt like, um, lectures. I mean, everything about it. Mm-hmm. And the dance center was fabulous. Mm. And, um, Sharon Luckman, from, who went on to Alley, was running it at the time. So it was great to, yeah. um, work with her. And, So that was wonderful. And I got a really great background in public relations. And, you know, I was there five or six years, and I became director of the department by the time I left. I kind of learned and moved up. Um, I missed theater, though. I I loved working on everything, but I missed the performing arts. I was very fortunate to be hired by Manhattan Theater Club. And um, I got there the year after they moved into City Center. And... um, it was a time of great growth for them, and my very mm. first show was with Nathan Lane and Cherry Jones. And oh you know, God. I just Amazing. the first year <laughs> you're working on these plays. You know, Tim oh Curry and Mary Louise um, Parker Tim was in him. a show the first year. It was just it was like a fantasy come true, you know, for a theater wow. major to be there, and wow. to work with Lynn Meadow was um, totally you know, it was wonderful because she's a, a major force. So um, mm. I. I did press and marketing there and advertising mm-hmm. it, which is also what I ended up doing at the Y. So then, you know, there's the marketing side of things. I was doing advertising, working with the advertising agency, um, working with performers, really hands-on, getting, dealing with press on a whole other level, you know, getting press stories for Nathan or working with mm-hmm. Terrence McNally and getting yeah. them on, you know, Charlie Rose or it, it was so much fun. Or working with Julie Andrews, that's where I did Julie Andrews, and and the first time I met Stephen Sondheim in person, we did putting it together, one of his shows with Julie Andrews. It was it was thrilling. Wow, totally thrilling. Love her so much. so um, <laughs> yeah, so it was a wonderful place to be,
1: and that is just an amazing feeling when you you love who you're collaborating with, you love what you're working toward. Yeah, that's great.
2: Oh, my God, I have, feel like I have been so lucky. I know so many people who hate their jobs. You know, <laughs> like so
0: true. You know, <laughs> and
2: just are like, oh, God, I have to go to work today. But don't you feel – I mean, they think all of us in the performing arts hopefully feel that way or else we wouldn't be doing it, right? Right. Yeah. God I, knows.
0: <laughs> I think people do love it. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think most of us do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's awesome. So I went to—I'm going on too long, but I went no, uh, when I left Manhattan this Theater Club, um, mm-hmm. I was really lucky. I, I was there 10 years. I was, like, mm-hmm. burned out. I was having a great time, but it was, like, 10 years was the longest I've ever been anywhere, and I just left. And um, mm-hmm. I, was, I have always been really lucky, I have to say. I left with the idea that I was going to take six months off, that mm-hmm. I had been working, you know, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do, and it was just— I wasn't going to do anything. I was going to go to the park with the dog every day and, mm-hmm. you know, that was it <laughs> and mm-hmm. read. And I got a call um, be- from the press office for Chicago was getting ready to open. It hadn't opened yet. And they had fired their ad agency and, they, I mean, their public relations agency and they had a new public, new oh firm gosh. and they were opening like in two weeks. I, it was crazy. Oh and could oh I come goodness. in <laughs> oh and work God. with them? And I, and I had never done a musical. I mean, I, Knew all the musicals, but I had never worked on one, you know, myself. And I certainly had seen on Chicago came from Encore at City Center. Oh, I didn't wow. work on it there, but I was a subscriber, so I saw it. And I certainly saw oh. the originals. I, you know, I had a background in it, so I went mm. to work in in um, this press office and.
0: Like, my wow. second day of
2: work, you know, there I was with, like, Bibi Newworth and James Norton and oh my <laughs> thrown into the fire.
1: Amazing. Um, it was.
2: Uh-huh. And working with the best dancers on Broadway. I mean, it was. Wow. Yeah, I would just go to rehearsal, you know, and then you could just go into the theater. That was, like, my biggest thrill. I could go in, the, going into the stage door. <laughs> yeah. Just walking into the stage door, I'd walk in, I'd be like, Oh my god! I need to call my mother. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: That's okay. so <laughs> good. You know, wow, it was like so it was cool. so cool. Uh, that is really lucky. That is slash. Brilliant. Obviously, you're very good at what you do because people called you
2: <laughs> up. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, timing is good too. But yes, so I was really lucky. Wow. Um, but it was also not. It was also not being afraid to make a change. Like mm. you know, some people. I say to people sometimes now, you know, it's a good idea to have another job before you leave your job. Right. Yeah. You, always mm. that, you always say that. You always hear that. But I didn't do that. You know, I left because I knew I I needed a change. Yeah. So, I don't know whether the times are different maybe the work, you know, maybe <clears> it's a little scarier now. But can yeah. I ask
0: him? we don't have to put this on the air, yeah. but can I ask how old you were when you um just cuz for my own perings <laughs> of curious? <laughs> when I which one when you when left I, MTC to just um I was to chill when I went to MTC, I was like, um, and got the call from Chicago. Oh. You mean left? I was yeah, like, when you left Manhattan Theater. I know.
2: Club. I'm going to say this. I don't want to make myself too old. I don't know how many can years take ago that was. It was. Yeah. I was probably like 30, 35. Okay. Something like that. Good to know. No, that's too much. That, no, because that's, I don't know, something like that probably. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm just curious when people like tend to get brave enough to do something like that where they're oh. like, I know I want this. I know I need this. I don't know. Sometimes you it know seems what like,
2: times. As we're, I'm sitting here thinking about it, I think it was, maybe it was a different time because now it feels like that would be a scary thing to do.
1: You think? Well, I I do think in general people, yeah, do have a lot more financial obligations now. But sometimes I see like people in their twenties too, just
0: yeah, going for it. You know. So and that was just
1: a personal question.
0: I'm like, when do you get brave? You know. Well, that was,
1: that's a related question I have. When yeah. you decided you wanted to take that time off, were you truly just burned out or were you just soul-searching at that moment, thinking, mm-hmm. like, what is my next move, you know, what's
2: pulling me in the next direction? I think that had been on my mind, probably. So it's kind of both. Mm-hmm. Probably the last year I was there, you know, you kind of go, I've done 45 plays. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot of plays. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> 10 years like that. And... I love theater, but I don't know, you know, if I want to pick up the phone and call, you know, pitch another story or I want to mm-hmm. have to deal with, I, you just don't, you know, it's like, I don't know, I need a break.
1: Yeah, <laughs> totally. So,
0: wow,
2: you know, and then you always have these fantasies of what you're going to do. Well, maybe I'll be a writer. You know, Maybe I'll write. Maybe I'll yeah. do this. So I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course when they called me for Chicago and I was there I'm like okay this is what I want to do this is what it, you know yeah. musical I'm working on a musical yeah. and I had never done that and I'm working with dancers that was kind of new yeah Yes, yeah, so I was so lucky because did Chicago and then I, I did Smokey Joe's Cafe and then but then Forever Tango and Swing were two they were Broadway mm-hmm. but they were also dance and wow. so that's kind of where my you know I got back into the dance world
0: yeah, and it seems like coming full circle with your love of Broadway as a child, then getting into the musical theater. Yeah, it really
2: good. did, and, yeah. and, um, and differently, like Forever Tango on Broadway, you know, that was a whole different thing, Tango, and <laughs> dealing with um, learning about that. I mean, I really knew nothing about Tango before I started, so mm. it's kind of like an education Swing was so much fun and so fabulous. Oh and my um, God. You know, Laura, that was Laura Bonanti's first show, I think. Mm. and she's, she's so fabulous now. But working with those dancers, those swing dancers were great. Mm. And then that's how I got to know the dance press because mm-hmm. okay. um, you know, because they were big dance shows.. Mm-hmm. So is uh, that
0: how you kind of became interested in dance as its own thing as well? Like it's, you know, apart from musical theater? Yeah, it's
2: just, it's I discipline. think so. Oh, um, we got hired. I, how did it work? So I, I um, eventually, shortly after that, though, I wanted to, um, thought I should, we should go out and go out on my own. But I was mm-hmm. a little nervous. So I was lucky that I had a good friend, Collie. She had actually been my boss at the Y. Oh, wow. And um, we went into partnership. And her background mm. was classical music. She had okay. been at Carnegie and um, Philharmonic, so we had a good. We had, you know, we had a lot to offer. She mm. so our clients were, you know, symphony orchestras from all over the country, America, and then theater and dance, and yeah. um, we were hired because of Sharon Luckman. I think at the Y hired us to do the Alvin Alley Gala. That was mm. our, my first Alvin Alley. Oh, great. and. Yeah. Because we had done, we had started to do a lot of galas and special mm. events, so they eventually became my client, which was really wonderful. Ailey, right? Ailey, yeah. yeah, I worked with them for uh, many years, like seven or eight years, I think. But so first we did the gala, and then they were moving into the new building, so oh. we had brought another colleague on with us who had an architecture background, and oh my gosh. It was wonderful because we were, so we had dance, we had a building, we had an architecture person, and it was so much fun to help them move into the new building. And mm. you know, we did. Oh. um there are there are certain things that kind of stand out in your mind of like the most fun <laughs> press things. Yes, or, tell us. And moving mm. Ali into the new building was so great. We wow. um, we shut down Ninth Avenue, like one whole lane of Ninth Avenue, and mm. we did. Revelations down the street from the old building in the 60s to the new building. All the everybody, the whole company, the main company, LA2, the children in the school, and everybody was in white. And and Miss Jamison was Judith Jamison in the front with the umbrella down. from the old building into the new, every TV camera, every station covered it, that's
0: and amazing. we ended up on
2: the front page of the New York Times, which oh, that's was that's awesome. that was like amazing. Oh my god,
0: that's a huge win! But it was huge,
2: <laughs> and then you know they they danced down Ninth Avenue, and then the mayor and everybody's there for the ribbon cutting. You know the whole building thing. It was so much fun. Wow! And it was it was what they deserved. I mean, it was a big, it was major. You yeah, know? Um, that was exciting and fun.
0: Really exciting.
2: So I did their gala and. Then did their press for many years, but the same mm-hmm. with Merce Cunningham, which was wonderful.
0: Okay. First, we
2: were hired yeah. to do their gala,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: then Merce became, even after I, Lois and I split up, um, and I went out totally on my own, his company stayed with me for many years, so I got to work um, with Merce Cunningham, and it really was a highlight for me
1: awesome. of
2: everyone yes. I worked with, I think.
1: Oh, oh that's really? great. Tell us why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love his work, by the way.
2: <laughs> he was so inspirational in every way. Yeah, I love his work. I mm-hmm. love his dancers. I have a sign over my desk in the office. Um, he said in in a lot of interviews, so you can read it. In, but I just it's like words to live by. He said, "If you say no, that ends it. If yeah. you say yes, the world is a possibility." Yeah. You know, don't you
1: love that? I just I love that. Yeah. He seems and I don't have any, you know, personal encounters with him or I haven't in the past, but he does seem like a very thoughtful person who was just constantly like pushing for the next thing. He absolutely was.
2: He was very warm and very generous and busy. His mind was always going and mm. you know, he used to, he's I have a book of his drawings. He used to wake up in the morning over coffee and sketch. And he would mm. oh, he made wow. these um, – if you ever see – can check out one of his books. He made mm. these wonderful kind of beautiful sketches of birds and animals, but they were kind of fantasy animals. So it would be like oh, a wow. bird, but it wasn't quite a bird. It might have been a bird. Uh, mm. it, they were a bird with unicorn mm. head or something. And just wonderful and, and fun. Mm. And um, it was kind of like his personality. Wow. Mm -hmm. so um, I loved working with him
0: fascinating Uh we've heard that now from two people in a row um, that somebody's personality has made the difference in working with them Mm -hmm. like just being a great person to work with (laughs) especially in PR I guess that makes a lot of sense
2: well yeah Yeah. I mean gosh it's such a close relationship Ah. you know so working with (laughs) working with somebody with a bad personality or difficult you know yeah that's when you come home and go, why am I doing this, you know?
1: Totally.
2: That's true of any work yeah, situation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you think that with, you know, anybody you work with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but interesting in the arts world where we think of the virtuosity first sometimes, you know, so you think like what, what a dancer can do, for example. Or But a lot of it still comes down to the same factors when you're working with
1: people mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. Absolutely. What do you love most about the PR perspective in the field, and you know, what is it that that you really enjoy bringing to your clients, and you know, what sort of
2: brings, I don't know, happiness to the work that you do? I always think it's kind of like matchmaking, oh. and um, and that's what I like. Like, I like the I like the part where you figure out what your story is, and then. You match it up to the press person who will be interested in that story, and I think oh. a lot of people don't think that way. You know, so that's such a good point. You need—I I really, really try hard to read everything I can that that the dance press are writing about oh. to try to get an idea. Like, why pitch a story to somebody if they're not—if you know they're not interested in it, right? One hundred percent. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, you're I don't wasting know. their time. You're wasting yeah. your time. So yeah. it's kind of a challenge, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I think it's fun. I mean, I think if you're good, if you're good as a matchmaker, then mm-hmm. you, can, you can really establish a relationship.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's not always about getting – I mean, I guess to some extent you have to get the press out to the whole community, but then it, maybe it's more about targeting – even one or two people with specific updates it absolutely company.
2: is it absolutely is wow. and yes you have to get the news out to everybody but mm-hmm. you need to know like who you're who you're dealing with so if you're a modern dance company mm-hmm. and you're pitching somebody who only writes on classical ballet there's right. no point it's a waste of your time but it's a waste of their time and it doesn't make them very happy you know mm-hmm. think about how many yeah. pitches and emails these you know the poor press people get every day and try really hard Mm. to not send something if I don't think it's going to be right for them.
1: That's so great. And I think, you know, just going back to like basic work principles, it's always good to think about your intended audience and what message you're crafting to them, if you should even send them a message. Mm -hmm. That's such a great way to work in general. Yeah, I think
2: that's right. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
0: And from what we can see, you've been very effective, certainly with us. I mean, we've gotten amazing guests <laughs> working with you. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's it's really interesting. Great. I guess uh, some of this goes back to a stereotype. But I think it's true that a lot of artists and a lot of people in the dance world more specifically struggle sometimes with PR and some of the business side of their art. So I feel like there's a lot you could add um, to all of this. Uh, but one question we had was how uh, you educate artists who might not be might not have that natural tendency to kind of promote themselves in their work. Um, if you even need to educate them, and maybe you have an example of.
2: I have to say someone. that that almost never happens. <laughs> really, I I yeah. mean I think. If They're calling a publicist, mm-hmm. then they want to promote themselves, right? Oh, okay. So, okay, think about it that way. Yeah, it's very rare that anybody would call me. I mean, maybe if you're like a crisis management firm, yeah. right? Those people at that level will say, that Keep me sense. out of the press, that's your job, that's yeah. what I'm paying you, you know, twenty thousand dollars a month for, or whatever. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm.
2: you know, in the arts, if somebody's calling me, they mm-hmm. want press, right? So, but there is a lot of education. part
0: of it are there I guess are there disconnects um, sometimes with artists whose own tendency might be to focus more on their art is there anything that you feel like you need to teach them about self promotion or marketing or anything at the same time I guess they're sort of handing that over to you
2: no um, yeah there's actually a lot (laughs) I think that people come in with um, the wrong idea sometimes Mm -hmm. right so Again, it gets down to message somewhat and knowing your press, but
1: Mm -hmm. also
2: what's realistic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were talking about Mm. giving me enough time to create a campaign and hiring. You know, the other thing is when does press land? What is a public relations campaign? Well, Mm -hmm. the press usually doesn't hit until a week or 10 days before an event. Uh So somebody will hire me or a company and then say, like, well, where's the press? Well, okay. It's six weeks away from the performance. Mm-hmm. It may you may have done that interview, but it's not going to appear right. And so, okay. the the hard part for companies, and I so understand this, is that um, in some ways, you know, press is not you know doesn't help in selling tickets until the end. Now, okay. the it used. Now that's not so much of a problem because most tickets are sold the week or so before because nobody wants to make plans and nobody wants to commit. And so the press no. coming out then, it's not, it's not, but not that long ago, everybody wanted to sell tickets far ahead. And it's very yeah. frustrating for a company and scary, you know, that you could be mm-hmm. six weeks out, eight weeks out, and you haven't sold any tickets. And so, you know, I'll get a call to the press. agent. well, what, where is the press? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have to say, well, the press is not going to come out until that week your listing in the times is just you know if we're lucky enough to get one it's mm-hmm. not going to come out till the friday before right you know, and that's mm. hard for it's hard for a company and i feel that so
1: yeah.
2: strongly you know so it's, it's sort just, of
1: like a basic setting of expectations from the very beginning yes it's mm. so
2: much about that it's mm. so much about expectations
1: yeah
0: wow is that actually a trend that you've noticed over time so people used to book tickets much more in advance and over time people have become more last minute
2: i think so i definitely well i mean society today subscriptions (laughs) used to be you know the heart of companies right so they would just renew and subscribe but you know you read about what's happening everywhere with subscribers
1: well i definitely Mm. subscribe because that's the best way to save money
2: (laughs) yeah it is
1: yeah if you see a lot yeah if you see a lot of shows I yeah. wonder why people subscribe less. I mean, I think we're a more last-minute culture. I think so it's there's very last-minute
2: culture now. Nobody <laughs> wants to even commit to dinner next week.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, so I don't true. know, can I get
2: back to you? You know, like, is
1: oh, mm-hmm. yes, it's so
2: hard to commit. <laughs> it's yeah. so
1: true, actually, since I have subscribed to a lot of shows. Now, when I look at my calendar, I think, oh, <laughs> I don't actually
2: want this on my calendar, but I really do want to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of it they say is, you know, everybody wants younger people, but, Definitely younger mm-hmm. people, you know, college age or or even a little, don't want to commit in advance. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a yeah. it, it's a battle that all companies have to kind of, you know, address and hopefully win.
1: Yeah. yeah. I yeah. never thought of ticket sales from that perspective. From, Neither did I. From the trend of society, how we have a hard time committing, New Yorkers in particular, because we're so busy and— I never
2: thought of that perspective. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Well, notice on Facebook, you know, they, it used to be with marketing, They, it, it's true. I mean, when you get these things in the mail and they want you to, like, peel off a sticker and send it back or mm. do something, yeah. they, they used to say <laughs> the more you get the person to engage, like if it says there's an, a quarter in the envelope and somebody opens the envelope, mm-hmm. the more times you get somebody to actually do that, the more likely they are to send money. And so the— which is interesting, and that's true. I mean, there yeah. are studies that show that. Well, so now with Facebook, if you notice, I see the same thing happening on Facebook. When when you see an event like, and it says interested, going, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. they really want. If you say interested, then your friends see that you're interested, or you might actually then go because you've kind of said you're interested. If, you know, you're more mm-hmm. likely to go than if you just didn't say anything or said no. That's
1: such yeah. a good point. When I see a certain group of people interested in an event, I pay way more attention. We'll see. Yeah. And Facebook
0: creepily tells you just what random friends are interested in. Like, it, especially if two two or more of your friends have posted interested in an event that you've never seen, you'll get a nof- notification, these two people are interested in this event. Because it's near you. <laughs> Quote, unquote, near you. Yeah, and then you'll look, and you're like, this is in Harlem. I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So speaking of social media and young people, what are your thoughts on getting young people to see shows? Have you had to work on that, targeting young people, et cetera, for dance?
2: It's so funny because it was always like almost a joke that when you'd say to somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. tell me what press you would like. What's your dream press, right? Mm -hmm. It would always be... A story in Arts and Leisure in the Times, and a piece oh, in the New Yorker, okay. and it was like no matter who it was or how realistic it was, everybody always wanted to to be in the New Yorker. And you oh kind my of go God! Like, Have you read the New Yorker I know, what would that Because take? when was the <laughs> last time you saw a pro? <laughs> you know, but whatever. So that was, it. <laughs> and now the mm-hmm. last many years, it's been. You know, what's your wish? We want you know, twenty-year-olds, twenty to twenty-five-year-olds in. Wow. And, um, you know, it's—everybody it's, it's everybody does. So it's a marketing and press um, effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Fall for Dance is a great example. I mean, a lot of it totally. is money, too. I mean, you know, if you're in college, mm-hmm. you can't afford to pay yeah. high ticket prices. Um, I, and I so think, Fall for no. Dance, when it, you know, for the for first 10 years, maybe, it was, you know, $10 a ticket. Now, 15 that's like nothing. I, remember I mean, that's when less it was, than a movie. Yeah. And— it was so fabulous. My favorite thing is about Fall for Dance is just going and standing in the lobby and seeing just a whole different audience. so much younger mm-hmm. because you know, and so excited to be there. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. they could afford to buy tickets to like three different performances. And mm-hmm. also seeing the kids. Like they are yeah, bring kids. you know, but you can't if you have to pay seventy five dollars a ticket to bring a kid, you know, to something. You're gonna think twice about it, but if yeah. you're paying fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. bring her in, and these kids, these little girls would walk in in their tutus, you know, with <laughs> their hair up that. in a bun, and they'd be like ten years old or even younger, you mm-hmm. know. And I guess they figured fifteen dollars—if she cries or she doesn't like it—will leave, but yeah, you know, yeah. usually they would stay and be so just enthralled.
1: Wow. Yeah, you're so. so right. And yeah, and I was going to say, and this is more the marketing side than anything else but because Fall for Dance tickets are so inexpensive, it's become a cultural phenomenon and I remember when it first came out in 2004 when I first moved to the city and was so excited to buy these tickets Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people don't realize how cheap it is actually to go see dance on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. going back to why I subscribe Mm -hmm. I subscribe to seven shows at BAM this fall season.
2: Seven?
1: Yes. Wow. Which is insane. hmm And I kid you not, most of my tickets are fifteen dollars to eighteen fifty and the most I paid was twenty two fifty for one of the tickets. Yeah. How much is the subscription? Um well the subscription is free. You just have to if you buy four or more shows you get a twenty five percent or twenty percent discount. If you buy seven or more you get a right. higher discount, which they don't make clear. Going back to the marketing. Effort. Yes. Yeah. Going back to this mm-hmm. idea of audience engagement. I tell people all the time, I see dance for cheaper than it costs to see a movie ticket, but people don't realize that. And Mm -hmm. I just have my tricks, my ways of seeing things Mm -hmm. cheaply. You know, I always buy balcony seats and I subscribe and whatnot. But I don't know, the, I just think maybe there's a perspective shift that, and again, this is more a marketing side, so yeah. I'm just saying this as mm-hmm. a thought or a, as an aside. But it's interesting how mm-hmm. many people are so shocked when I tell them, like, look at my tickets. Look how much I've paid for these, and
2: uh, yeah. this is why I see so much dance. Yeah, and yeah. Well, I think that's a problem. It's interesting because Broadway had been very concerned about that. You know, people think – now I think it is too expensive, but, I mean, people always say, like, how do I – I can't get tickets. I don't even know how to buy them. Mm-hmm. Theater Development Fund – has made huge strides in, in being more accessible. Mm. you know. Um, but they are also selling... Do you know that they sell dance there? And, and yeah. like, oh. dance performances all over, at the Joyce, at City Center. And you oh. can go to the TKTS booth. And now there's one in Brooklyn, the, South, the Seaport. There's one now at oh. Lincoln Center. And you can get tickets. So if you don't want to commit in That's advance, amazing. you can get them the day of a performance to a lot of dance things. Wow. Um, and... If you're in the industry, you can join TDF. I'm not sure of the requirements, you can, right? Uh, and even you get them just, in advance.
1: Even if you are just someone who works at a nonprofit, you can become a member. Because I'm a member just because I work for a nonprofit. Any nonprofit. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah. so I mean, blowing my
1: mind. <laughs> yeah.
2: You get great tickets, and they're very inexpensive. And you can oh. get tickets to the Joyce almost all the time and yeah. most of the things mm-hmm. at City Center, right?
1: So I guess my question is, you know this very well, and veteran – Audience goers know it. Who just want to save a buck? Um, I don't know. How do we get the idea out there more often? This is more of a larger question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I again, people are so shocked when I tell them like, "Look, this is how I see shows."
2: No one knows this. Mm-mm. Yeah, I like dance NYC for theater. It was Theater Development Fund and then Art New York, which is the Alliance of Residence Theaters, really tried mm-hmm. to make that issue like. Subway posters that said, you know, you can get to Off-Broadway for, I don't remember, $15 mm. or whatever. Dance NYC does some of it, but their advocacy seems to be more for the companies. The right? dance community. So mm-hmm. really need. That's a really good question and probably something that would be a good topic to address further.
0: And sometimes yeah. it's details. Like when you say that at BAM if you buy tickets to four or more shows, you get this discount. I bought tickets to, I think, four shows. But because of the way you buy online, um, where you have 10 minutes, it makes sense because they have to release that seat that you've just chosen And if you also, hold on to it
1: too long. That's another thing. Their website is not user-friendly to yeah. find the member way of buying those tickets in a row.
0: Oh, so it is a different way. It yeah, is a because different way. Sorry, like, the
1: subscription way, not the member way.
0: Yeah, I actually made two separate purchases because oh. I had to look at dates for those shows yeah. and look at dates. At the Joyce and ABT in New York City Valley for the shows I wanted to see there, too, to put up, put my whole schedule together as I went. And so I would have, you know, I would have used up the time with the tickets in the cart. So anyway, it was very confusing to buy Mm -hmm. the tickets. And yeah, I guess companies need to have a big button that says, like, buy this many shows. Like, you remember. I don't know. So I guess that's just a larger question, but (laughs) a fascinating one.
2: Mm -hmm. We'll go back to that with the marketing people.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Can you just really quickly like describe what's the difference between marketing and PR, just so everybody's clear, <laughs> for once and for well, all? <laughs> it's not.
2: <laughs> it's not a hundred percent clear. Oh, okay. Um, because marketing is about selling tickets. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say the the very basic description, which yeah. then we can refute. Okay. Marketing is selling tickets,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: public relations is about image and making the public aware of who you are.
0: Okay. Right?
2: The goal is eventually to sell tickets, but also for for public relations for grants, right? You want to. Mm. I mean it's it's very important all that kind of visibility. Yeah. But then, you know, advertising helps with grants too because a grant writer could look at an ad in the New York Times and go, "Oh, that's, you know, they're a very prestigious company." So, we kind of it's a it's a we work together really as a team and there's great Ooh. overlap. Um Interesting. Yeah.
0: Do you usually do the marketing and PR for your clients, or do you work with their marketing team? Yeah,
2: now. I mean, when I was at Manhattan Theater Club mm-hmm. and the Y, I was director of press and marketing. Oh, okay. Um, but it, marketing has grown and gotten more complicated and have, you know, many more facets mm. than it used to. Um I think Broadway started first with having very specific marketing firms because Mm -hmm. they were doing things like going into grocery stores and having like, you know, the the show on a bag or there Mm -hmm. were a million kinds of promotions that really weren't press and you didn't have time to do them. So marketing kind of, you know, split aside. Um, Interesting. I forgot the question. Oh,
0: no, you answered (laughs) it. You answered it. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Mm
1: -hmm. So, um... I haven't really thought about how I want to ask this question. <laughs> I mean it's a simple one. But um I don't know what are some tricks of the trade that perhaps you've learned over the years or maybe some things that help you to help an artist truly hone in and craft their image and select the right avenues or the right press to send their
2: information to. Some of it is what I said already but mm-hmm. you know what I what I <laughs> I really want to say to everybody is, Mm -hmm. first of all, they need to really read the papers and Mm -hmm. read online and not just read about their colleagues and other companies. But, you know, you can't expect that you're going to get coverage about you all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, everybody, of course, thinks their story is the best. That's what they should do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, our education program is the best in the city. Everybody thinks that. I mean, they're mm. all wonderful, and they they all have different facets. But you know, yeah. our company—I started this company, and we we have the best dancers, and they are young and they're talented, and we should have a story in the Times. You know, and what I what I want to help people understand is that's not enough. Also, mm. that to me, this is really key: the the job of the New York Times or the job of Broadway.com or is not to help you sell tickets. Uh, They are not ticket salesmen. So mm -hmm. to say we need, you know, they have to write about us because we need to sell tickets. Well, it doesn't work like that. Mm -mm. And they they don't need to write about you. First of all, they don't need to write about anybody, Mm -hmm. and they will consider writing about you if you have news because it's a newspaper, right? That's mm-hmm. where it started from, something new. Yeah,
0: so right. if
2: your if your story is same as everybody else's, that doesn't cut it. The the right. challenge and it can happen is to find out what about your story is unique and totally. present it that way. And
1: yeah, I, And that goes back to honing your message because you know what sets yourself apart from other organizations or individuals. It really does. Yeah,
0: so it's finding what's unique. Like finding that value add, I guess, for the market that people need to focus on.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for news,
1: yeah, knowing what is new. like Yeah. Because if you are just another, I don't know, another anything— and three other people did that same thing that year. You do have to figure out a way to stand out.
2: Yeah. And one of the hard <laughs> things to tell a company like this one I always feel bad about <laughs> is like people will say it's our 10th anniversary. We need to have a story. And and you know, in my heart I want to say yes, you should. 10 years. I you know, I just I have a 30 year anniversary coming up. Yes, yeah. you should have a story. But just because you've been around for ten years is not a story. It's not unique. And you know. Necessarily. Oh, that's such a
1: great point. Coming from the nonprofit <laughs> sector, I feel like I've seen so many nonprofit agencies come out and say thirty-five years, and then they yeah. come up with some like boring <laughs> campaign that no one's excited about. So it's good to hear you say that.
2: <laughs> I can't tell you how many um, how many editors have said to me, "We really don't care about anniversaries."
1: <laughs> oh wow! You know.
0: Wow, interesting. So, oh, if you're Twilight Tharp
2: and you've been, you know, it's, or you're more, and it's, or if it's 50 years.
0: Well, that's a good point. If you've already built a unique presence that people care about, then milestones like being around for a certain amount of time can be meaningful. But if you don't have independent meaning first, then you still kind of come back to what's unique. So, right. that makes sense.
2: Surviving mm. just isn't enough to get a story in the New York Times as much as it would be nice, you know, if uh-huh. everybody did. Go ahead. Well, I was was just going to say I can
0: see more and more how uh, the the writing skills become really important because I was surprised at first I hadn't thought about how writing would be so central to PR. I would have thought, oh, organization and great relationship building, which you obviously have, but you came at it from um, this writing perspective in certain ways, which is awesome. And uh, Jessica and I actually had a conversation a couple weeks ago that we called The Why, which is ongoing, about what is our mission, why are we doing this, why are we unique, you know, mm-hmm. in the sphere of dance podcasts, which luckily is fairly small. Um, but still, we have to. We felt like we had to know our own uh, kind of mission and value add. And uh, the writing of it, which we're still working on, is uh, kind of a delicate task. Like, you can come up with ways that you think you're unique, but you also have to phrase it in a way that is compelling to other people and, like, still— inclusive of the whole sphere out there of people doing similar things. So, um, yeah, so interesting that you came at it with that skill.
1: And so that reminds me of another question. Mm -hmm. What are, you know, key indicators of a successful press release? And obviously it depends on who the newspaper or the outlet is. I'm sure you're taking into account, but... What might be some ways that you work with an artist to bring out certain elements into a press release in general?
2: And you don't have to give away your secret sauce. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's actually not really much of a secret and you can look in almost any book, you know, PR mm. for dummies, <laughs> tell you, you know, to always start yeah. out with the who, what, why, where, and when, you know, mm. um, so it, it can be a formula that sh- the fun part is to try to make it um, something that's more noticeable. But there mm-hmm. are, what I see—it's easy to come at it from the negative side. What I see mm. that doesn't work, or that you have to say to people, mm-hmm. you know, is um, this is not a brochure. A okay. press release is not marketing material, and I think that's mm. the biggest difference that a lot of people don't realize. When you're, if, if you're marketing something in a flyer, or brochure, on your website, you can—you mm. want to sell it. You can say you're going to jump out of your seats with joy. This is going, to, you know. Yeah. Um, the most exciting. You can say whatever you want to say because you're trying to bring them in quickly. Yeah. But if you're doing a press release to the press, right, first of all, you hope that they know something about you. Okay. But if they don't, you want to tell them. But they, you don't want to tell them they're going to jump out of their seats. What they're going to say is, I'll tell you <laughs> if I'm going to jump out of my seat or if I jump out of my seat. So mm. press releases mm. that are too effusive, you know, or that they just... Send me the marketing material and say, here's what we're using. Just, you know, use this. And then I edit it down and take out all the adjectives. And then they come back and go, no, we don't want to use that. You know, then you have Mm -hmm. to kind of educate. That's right. You know, and say, this doesn't work. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for especially in the New York press. But for really any press, you want to just be, you know, here are the facts. And um, I don't like to use too many quotes know mm. from other press if it's a company that yeah. really uh, isn't known but maybe have gotten good press if they're a european company or um from a different town maybe one quote <laughs> if it's a, mm-hmm. but it has to be a quote that says something about the company you know not mm-hmm. best thing i ever saw that that would be like the worst quote in the world to use you <laughs> it's know not
1: descriptive. i mean yeah
2: you know it's it
1: because you don't know who's <laughs> quoting
2: it.
0: <laughs> so don't quote me on, Net- on Netherlands. <laughs> I'm just like, there's all basic. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: but, so, but we're talking about a press release. So mm-hmm. it's got to be, it has to have all the details, you know, the ticket price, where are you, uh, um, mm. the website, the date, the time, information yeah. about the writer, anything that they need to know. Um,
0: Giving the full picture. Do you use your writing skills to, without being overly effusive, give a sentence or two that contextualizes and helps someone understand why this company is valuable to see, or to why why they should care about the press release, which is a little bit more telling them about
2: the um, company. Sometimes in the release, but mm-hmm. m- more often I think in my in my email, in the body of my email correspondence to them, a pitch letter, oh, okay. I try to. Um,
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and again, I will sometimes target a pitch to a certain writer or publication. It would be similar, but but different at the same time. This writer, okay. you know, this writer might really be interested in this dancer because he's from New York and he's, you know, had a background with Alvin Ailey. And but this writer at the other paper. Maybe be interested in the artistic director because mm. he's written about that kind of dance before. So yeah. um, I try really hard to target my pitches.
0: Okay, so there, we're talking about several different types of communication. Then yeah. It sounds like you have a pitch where you can pitch the virtues of a con- company to someone new or someone not familiar with them to try to build that relationship. Right. And then the press release is more of the specific communicate about mm-hmm. the show is that yeah
2: and affordable? i guess it really depends on the client too if if mm-hmm. you know we're in new york so if, if it's a client <laughs> yeah. you know that people know i'm not going to spend too much time in a press release talking about sure. them yeah but mm-hmm. um, if it's a new company you know the difference between say the first year of ballet collective mm-hmm. and now fourth year is yeah. very different the press releases are very different because in the first year really had to talk about you know who they are and why they've come to be and what their goals are. Mm-hmm. You know, by the fourth year, not so much in the press release.
1: Yeah. We saw Alistair Macaulay in the audience last year at the Ballet
2: Collective fall season. Yeah. yeah he's been a great fan. Yeah. And a great I've supporter, which is wonderful. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh. Uh, so that brings me to another question. <laughs> How do you feel about bad press or negative reviews Ooh. from dance reviewers in general? That's always our million-dollar question. Oh, <laughs> well, we feel
2: terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's, no, it's very hard. It's hard. Yeah. I remember, I think it was Lynn Meadow at Manhattan Theater Club said, you know, other people are called into the boss's office for their review, you know, for their yearly review, and it's between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get reviewed, and, you know, 40 million people read the review. Mm-hmm. And I've always remembered that because I – I don't know how they deal with it emotionally to have a mm-hmm. review that's not good. Some people don't read it at all, you know, but it's hard not to. Even the people who say they don't read it at all, I'm always thinking that they do. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're not saying. Yeah. But um, it's hard because you they've worked so hard. You know, obviously nobody's going to present anything unless it has their their soul and their blood in it. Yeah. And so to then get a bad review is heartbreaking. yeah. Absolutely. And more so when you feel like the writer just didn't get it.
1: Yeah. Totally. And they're coming from a place where maybe they weren't trying to get it. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I
2: think that does happen sometimes. Sometimes not. I mean, the hardest thought is when, you know, I kind of agree with the writer, but you don't mm-hmm. want to say that to the client. It's, it's a very difficult situation.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, I guess, I mean, you have to keep the relationship with
1: the press. So there's that, too. There is that. (laughs) (laughs) If you had your way, I'm just asking all these questions. (laughs) If you had your way and you could suggest, you know, how the press field changes, Hmm. um, you know, right now they have a very typical structure. They provide features about artists or shows. They write reviews. Um, Would you have any suggestions for the press in general, like maybe how to maybe change the way a review looks or... A feature, or what What elements do you think would be more
2: helpful to some, artists? Some of that is changing already, and it's interesting because, I don't know, I'll use the Times, I don't I don't like to ever, I'm not going to identify too many people or, or publications, but the mm-hmm. Times, I think, is changing yeah. in a po- really positive way lately, and oh, I, I hope it's um, part of what's going to grow. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you noticed, but there's been a lot more articles on the process of what a dancer goes through in the creative process. I've
0: noticed that. And
2: yeah. I think maybe they won't I don't know this. This you know, maybe there'll be will be less reviews, maybe not. But um the feeling that people and I agree with this, people want to know this. You know, to read mm-hmm. a review that of something that closed that you're not gonna be able to see totally. till the next time. You know, the companies love it and I don't ever wanna say, you know, we don't want a review, but mm. I would think that more people would want to know, like, what went into the thought of the creative process.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. And I have to say that's sort of why we're doing what we're doing with this podcast. It's really to go behind the scenes and say, where are you coming from? Absolutely.
2: And I think that's why you're so successful. I mean, because um, it is important. It's just the whole art of collaboration. How does it, like, with Ballet Collective now, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Collaboration is what they do. So, how yeah. how do they work with an artist? How does. How, now, this year they're working with architects. So, yeah. they're working yeah. with um, James Ramsey. I, there was a big story in the Times last week about the Low Line, this underground park that he designed. It's going to be underground on the Lower East Side. It is so really? cool. So, oh he's one of the collaborators. So, how does Troy Schumacher, the choreographer, and you know, meet with him and look at these sketches from the that the artist shows, mm-hmm. and translate that into a dance that isn't a dance about blah blah blah. We're digging underground and <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. putting up trees. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a literal interpretation of the dance, right? You, you may or may not even pick up on that, but it's it's the artistic process. So, how does that happen? I find that fascinating. Absolutely,
1: yeah. and then wow. then you're building audience engagement in that way because people maybe do not want to go see something that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. I think people are more open to something that feels more approachable. And if you're having these conversations, it just seems like audiences would benefit from them in any way you put it. I always say it's like giving people a
0: hook. It doesn't even have to be explaining the piece or putting into words something that you made as a dance because it doesn't have words, you know, some of the objections you'll hear from artists. Um, it's really just giving people a hook, a reason to be interested. And for me, part of the reason I'm seeing more dance this season is that the pot, doing this podcast has provided more hooks. I know more people creating work. I ha, you know, I know more about them. And so I think, oh, look, that person has a show. I have to go see it. It's an it's a simple hook. I don't know anything about the show, right? But so I think providing some kind of context or behind the scenes or just information about what's going on to bring this work to life absolutely could give people a reason to be interested, just on level one. So, I like yeah. that suggestion.
2: <laughs> yeah, and even learning like even so, I'm saying like reviews come out and the performance is over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with the collaboration piece, if you're if you write about how does a Dan- a choreographer and a new music say collaborate how do they work mm-hmm. that performance might be over mm-hmm. but the next time you go to dance you're gonna think about that you yes. know like how mm-hmm. how is this next dance how did that happen and you, mm-hmm. you look at it differently I think totally no? <laughs> so we
0: are pretty much at time
1: Jess anything any last words to sh- throw in um, I guess is there anything that you would like to share or last words? Any um, future projects that you're really excited about that you're working on now or will work on in the future?
2: Um, I'm excited, really excited about two things in the spring coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love projects that where I don't know something and I'm learning something new that's wonderful. Ah. So um, I was not familiar with this incredible um, documentary maker named Frederick Weissman. And know. apparently right. 50 years ago, he he made a, a landmark documentary about um, a mental institution putting on a show. And it was mm-hmm. a—I just watched it on YouTube. It was devastating. Um, it's called mm-hmm. Tidicut Follies, and it was in the prison. It was a psychiatric prison. And um, he had this idea to turn it into a ballet 50 years later. Mm-hmm. Okay, so oh. he has been working with James Seawall Ballet mm-hmm. and— mm-hmm the NYU dance center in creating this ballet called Titicot Follies that's mm. based on this film 50 years ago and a 50 year old film and um, mm. it's i think it's just going to be amazing the music wow. director is um music director from Saturday night live so it has new music oh, cool. James they've been collaborating um for I think, over a year on this, working it out. I think it's just going to be fascinating. Yeah. The film forum is opening a, a whole retrospective of his work, and they're opening with mm. the film the same week that the ballet appears.
0: That's such great synergy. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah. Very so cool. So I'm,
2: I'm looking forward to that a lot.
0: Yeah. We'll definitely have to um, circle back closer to the yeah, time. That's and it. At, yeah, that's in April
2: at the Skirbel Center. Very cool.
0: Great. Well, I guess that's all the time we have. But thank you so much for being with us, Helene, and telling us, all about your life
2: and PR. Oh, you're so welcome. It was so much fun.
0: Thank Great. you. Thanks.